You are listening to the Aging Starts Now podcast, where it's all about responding with confidence to the legal, financial, and personal challenges created by disability, unexpected illness, or simply aging in general. Join us weekly as elder law attorneys Tim Takis, Barbara McGinnis, Chris Johnson, and other members of the Takis McGinnis Elder Care Law Team talk about the tools, techniques, strategies, and services that will make the elder care journey easier for everyone involved. Get ready, because aging starts now. Hi, everyone. Welcome to episode number 36 of Aging Starts Now. I'm your host, Barbara McGinnis. Today, we're speaking with Melissa Burton on how to emotionally navigate the caregiving journey. Melissa is a licensed clinical social worker with over nine years of experience in both the clinical and facility setting. With expertise in gerontology, she has helped hundreds of families navigate the complications of aging, life transitions, and loss. Welcome, Melissa. Thank you so much, Barbara. I'm glad to be on. Well, I'm really, uh, I'm grateful for you and your expertise on this topic. It seems like it's always an important topic to talk about because the caregiving journey is definitely emotionally charged and it's very different for lots of families. And this year just seems especially hard. We see a lot of families struggling with um, the separation because of COVID and, and just the added stress of this year. So um, let's just dive in. Tell us a little bit about yourself and the people that you help. Thank you. Yes, absolutely. This year has been very unique um, when it comes to the caregiving journey. One of the things that I do as I'm a counselor and I help families, I've helped them in the facility setting and in care management, but I've bridged into counseling. And I really like focusing on the daughters who are caregiving and parenting a parent. And I have a podcast called Daughters on Fire. And it's called Daughters on Fire because I find the caregivers often put themselves last. And it's from a quote that I heard that says, you don't have to set yourself on fire trying to keep other people warm. And I think that's what happens a lot is caregivers tend to burn themselves up trying to meet the needs of the ones they're caring for without putting it in perspective of it's not a one-man job or a one-woman job and that you really need to bring in a team around you and you really need to take care of yourself, not as a luxury, but as a necessity. And so what we do in, on the Daughters on Fire podcast with my co-host Robin Arab is that we talk about the, the uh, similar to what you all are doing, is we inform people about what's out there and how to utilize services. But at the same time, with my expertise in the counseling realm, how to navigate the emotions. Because sometimes that can get in the way more than just logistics can get in the way. And that's really been a passion for us. And what we've seen working with the daughters out there, and it's really anybody, but the burden of kind of that sandwich generation being spread so thin, trying to navigate so many different issues, oftentimes falls on that woman, you know, that's probably still working, still taking care of kids at home, trying to navigate the world. And now in the midst of COVID-19, you know, navigating what everything looks like with this extra added burden of stress, uncertainty, and separation from their loved one if they're living in a facility environment or if not, if they're at home trying to protect them and maybe they're still social 
socially isolated because they're trying to avoid getting sick. So it's a very complicated time and um, a great time to for yourself and what you all are doing and what we're doing to really wrap around uh, the information and the services for people to help navigate this. I love the title of your podcast, Daughters on Fire. The quote is great. Um, one of my favorites is you can't pour from an empty cup, right? So once yes. you, so exactly what you said, you have to take care of yourself if you're going to be taking care of others. Um, yeah, and we do see that all the time. Caregivers put themselves last, and if they don't, they feel guilty that they didn't. Right. Uh, and it's probably one of the emotions that you help them with. Absolutely. So. <laughs> Absolutely. And and I love, so the Daughters on Fire has two meanings. The first is that you're burning yourself up almost like a wildfire. But then mm-hmm. I like to say they're going to become more like a candle where they have a, a flame and an energy for life for themselves and for caregiving that is sustainable and can light an infinite amount of light from that. If you can sustain yourself and take care of yourself, then you are more capable of taking care of other people. Brene Brown, you know, she has a great quote that says, the people with the best boundaries are the most compassionate people because they know how to protect themselves. And so that is definitely a fundamental core value of what we try to help daughters and other caregivers understand. Beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. So talk to us about the different stages of caregiving and how to prepare for that. So I know there are lots, different people have different stages in caregiving and how Robin and I have really tried to break it up with our coursework and on the podcast is there's there's kind of like the first signs of caregiving. There's the, we're not caregivers yet, but it's coming and there may be some cracks in the independence of your loved one. And there's the uh oh <laughs> moment <laughs> where what is ahead? What are they losing? What burden will be on me ahead? And so that, and that's a, a time with caregivers where they really don't know what they need to know and they're, they're scared. And then there's the, the stage that to me is really the hardest stage. And that's the hands-on stage, but not fully the full caregiving stage. So this is the stage where it's a lot of give and take and a lot of collaboration and a lot of power struggles. And that's where it's, you've, you see the most tension come up. And then the final stage is where usually the roles have reversed. The child becomes a parent. The parent becomes fully dependent on them. And that's the the long stage of goodbye. Um, And it's probably physically taxing, emotionally exhausting. But the hardest stage, I think, is the power struggle stage. And that's when it's a the power is not no one has the power, right? It's a back and forth. And if the families and the loved ones don't have a good sense of collaboration, then that's where a lot can disintegrate in the caregiving journey. Um, That phase there that you were talking about, the power struggle phase, we talked about that as well with, with our families. And we refer to it as the conflict box. You're in this conflict box because you've got a shift in power from um, the person that's being cared for, still wanting to be the adult, wanting to be independent. The child caregiver is struggling with taking control over the situation. And you do, you kind of wind up at times with nobody really being in control. And that just sets up a stage for um, 
some negative outcomes to say the least. Yes. What about, um, you know, the different emotions and the emotional toll of being a caregiver? Yes. Well, and I think that that time in the caregiving journey that, I mean, if you get off on a wrong foot during that conflict box, as you described it, then the emotional toll just starts adding up from there. Because, you know, if you look at um, Maslow's hierarchy of needs and you're talking about the love and belonging, if you start to erode the love and belonging and then also safety and security, it just starts to crumble. Everything starts to crumble and you really start to feel caregivers often feel lonely and isolated, not just from maybe their relationships outside of caregiving. So that's another issue that we see is Mm -hmm. that they start to pull in and they stop engaging with people that they get all in on the caregiving role. And you'd mentioned that caregivers often um, in our conversation, we had that caregivers often, they have a harder time after the caregiving is over. And sometimes that can be because they've lost themselves to that. That's their purpose and identity. And they didn't have relationships or purpose and identity after that. So the emotional toll, if you don't have balance and you aren't processing and you, you start to slip into this sense of loss and separation in relationships, it can, it can really start to take away, uh, you know, your foundation and that's why that I focus so much, obviously, on that emotional part and the healing around that. Because having you, one, you have to have, you can't do it all on your own. You need teams like mm-hmm. your team there at Techus McGinnis and what we do and all of the resources out there. You have to have a team, both professionally and personally, just your friends and family around you. You can't do it alone. But then the second part to that is that. With the um, so you have to have the team, you can't do it alone, you can start to lose yourself in this journey. So, I really want to focus on people getting ahead of that and focusing on healing before that starts to really erode and take that toll that you're talking about. Totally makes sense. You know, I, I was, uh, I'm an only child, and I, and I was caregiver for. Really, my my mom. My mom was the last to to die in uh, of my parents, and I I personally kind of struggled with. I don't have to take care of her with my own two hands to make sure she's being taken care of. I I promised her I would always make sure she was taken care of. I think a lot of children struggle with if I'm not doing it with my own two hands. There, I'm not doing it right, or I'm not doing enough. Um, you know, they took care of me, so some of that is the emotional toll too. And but yes. part of that is about protecting yourself and the importance of caring for yourself. There are repercussions if you don't take care of yourself, right? Oh yes. yes. What do you see there? Well, the, I think the the like a basic issue that comes up is this idea of rest as a luxury. And I think physically, I I know you probably see this with your clients that you work with, that there's a physical like health toll that can start to impact somebody if they're not taking care of themselves. And you can start to see that if they say, well, I don't have enough time, then they're not sleeping, they're not eating well. And that can again, start to be a slippery slope and it can start to impact their health. And if they don't feel well, then again, it just has a domino effect. Mm -hmm. 
So the idea that sleep is a luxury is a misnomer. Sleep is a necessity. And sometimes, you know, if you don't, you don't necessarily have to, like you were saying with your mom, you don't have to go be the hands-on care if it means that you don't have anything to give. In fact, you can, you need to be filling yourself up in so many different ways. And then you can be more to that individual. And I feel like sometimes I'm a broken record saying that, but I think that's the one missing piece that happens all the time. But another component that can happen besides just the physical toll is the relational toll. If you have unresolved burdens and generational issues going on here with your mom, then it can really spill over into your other relationships. I often see with caregivers that they're trying to make up for their grandparents' influence on their mom, right? Or their dad. And and so they're healing wounds that have been there for for a long time. So if you don't work through that and better understand that, then you're just going to keep passing it along that you know, ancestral river, if you will, that, that there, and there is a way with, with, um, awareness and mindfulness. And the number one term I love to use is non-judgmental curiosity. That if you, if you stop putting things in boxes of right and wrong, and you start looking at why, then you can start seeing a lot more clarity and see solutions to move forward that are healing and empowering. Oh, very interesting. Um, what are some of your top tips for caring for yourself? So I would say counseling. <laughs> Obviously, if, if people have it in them to be able to say, I want to look after myself, I want to have a sacred space to be able to sit down with somebody and really process what I'm going through, a place where I can show up and I don't have to ask that person how they're doing. It's really just about me. That's the one beauty of counseling and have guidance so that I can see my blind spots. But in addition to that, I mean, obviously I'm a counselor, so that's uh, something I'm a huge advocate for, but not feeling guilty. We, we think we don't have time to take care of ourselves, but I think it's more we feel guilty taking care of ourselves. We, we, instead of going and getting your nails done and feeling fine about it and almost celebrating that you gave yourself that gift, you walk around the rest of the day with this like nagging guilt. And that is so unproductive. And so if we can say that it's like taking your vitamins or taking the medicine that you need to stay healthy, those little moments of, of giving yourself what you need and those moments of joy are so vital. And it doesn't have to be big. It doesn't have to be that you go off on a two-week vacation to the beach and unplug. It could be that you give yourself a, a bubble bath at the end of the day or a piece of dark chocolate. You, it's, a, it's about capturing those little moments where you said, in this moment, I choose me. I choose to love me. And that's valuable. I don't feel guilty about it. And that is giving me what I need to show up better for others. You know, we've been talking and thinking about this, or at least I've been thinking about this from the older adult perspective where you've got like the daughters taking care of parents. But some of those principles that you've just shared applies to women taking care of children. You, You have to continually fill your cup to be a good mom. 
right? Yes, yes, yes. And that's one reason why I love this demographic that we serve because, I mean, you need to do that with your parent that you may be parenting, with your children that you may be parenting, maybe in your work environment, you need Mm -hmm. to make sure that you're not losing yourself to that as well. So there, as women, this is something that we need to be plugged into and doing across uh, the board for sure. Thank you so much, Melissa. I know there's more to talk about, but I think that's it for today's episode. I'd like to thank Melissa again for speaking with us today, and I encourage our listeners to check out her podcast, Daughters on Fire. Thank you for listening. Join us next week for another episode of Aging Starts Now. Thank you for listening to the Aging Starts Now podcast. For more information about today's show, visit tn-elderlaw.com, click on the free resources tab, and then click on Aging Starts Now. You'll find the show notes there. And while you're at it, why not check out all the free resources available at tn-elderlaw.com? Document downloads, the Tagus McGinnis blog, educational videos, informative articles, helpful links, a TV show, and more. It's all there free for the taking. If you enjoy listening to the Aging Starts Now podcast, please subscribe, rate the show, or leave us a review. It's easy to do on whatever app you use to listen. We would love your feedback on the show. Aging Starts Now. We'll be back next week with more candid discussions about challenges created by aging, disability, and unexpected illness.